<clears throat> Our gospel this morning is from Mark chapter 7, uh, and to uh, Mark chapter 7, verse 24, to chapter 8, verse 9. Um, this passage occurs after Jesus had fed the 5,000 people, uh, miraculous feeding, and then he sent the disciples across the, the sea um, in a terrific storm uh, and then he landed uh, they landed in an area where they were met by skepticism and Jesus tried to teach the people but couldn't seem to get much headway well it was an exhausting experience feeding 5,000 people rowing through a storm and then meeting with a, an unreceptive crowd so Jesus tried to get away and he he traveled north into uh, what's currently known as a uh, as Lebanon, um, the area of Phoenicia, um, and he tried. He was. It said that he went there and, and looked for a place to sort of to hide out. And so we're picking up the story right there, in verse twenty-four. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden, but immediately. A woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd, and they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied, and they took up the bro broken pieces left over, seven baskets full, 
And there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the riches of your word. Be with us in this hour that we may profit from this scripture. Enlighten our minds that we may understand. Soften our hearts that we may respond. And direct our wills that we may obey your word. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I was surprised to see an old friend at a wedding recently. He had moved to Ukraine, married, built a house, and had a child. But here he was with his wife and child in the United States. They had fled for their lives, leaving everything behind. The house they had built, all of their friends, their jobs. They had left everything except the clothes on their backs. For them, the war in Ukraine is not a foreign conflict between some far-off powers. It's an acutely personal tragedy. Our human instinct in situations like this is to ask, where is God? We see the pictures of utter devastation in the cities of Ukraine, the brutal shelling of innocent civilians. We wonder, why is God allowing this? And we we react the same way to personal tragedies and wonder, Why is God allowing this? When a child is struck down by cancer, when a husband is killed at work, when when couples divorce, we cry out, where is God? Why couldn't God prevent this? Meanwhile, our friends and neighbors are prospering. We see on TV and on Instagram happy families frolicking on the beach, loving couples taking Caribbean cruises, Dads teaching their boys how to hunt. Mothers spending quality time with their daughters. Life seems good for everyone else. Does it begin to seem like you're getting the crumbs of life where everyone else is getting the steak and wine of life? Well, today's gospel reading features a woman who is truly desperate. It's unbearable to watch, unbearably painful to watch, as cancer destroys the life of a loved one right before your eyes, or dementia grabs a hold of someone and and destroys the person you used to know. So imagine what it was like for this woman living with a daughter possessed by a demon. I'm sure this woman loved her daughter, and had dreamed of watching her grow up to be a beautiful woman. Probably she dreamed of this daughter's wedding day, she would prepare, help her prepare for, uh, for a new life with a husband. Um, but those dreams have been dashed to the ground. This girl is never going to get married. Maybe she won't even survive childhood. We see in other cases of demon possession in the Gospels, I don't think they were all the same, but in some cases the demons inflicted physical harm. In other cases they drove their victims mad. I'm sure that this woman was desperately searching for a solution to this. She did everything that she knew to save her daughter, but no one is a match for the evil intelligence and power of a demon. Hell had come to earth and trapped this woman and her daughter in a permanent nightmare. So we can understand this woman begged Jesus to cast out the demon. She was desperate. She was beyond desperate. Jesus was her last and only hope. 
But why did she come to Jesus? Or how did she know to do so? Did she know that Jesus was the eternal creator God come in the flesh? The Messiah promised by the prophets? I doubt it. She wasn't a Jew. She was a Syrophoenician living beyond the border of Judea. So it's unlikely that she knew the Jewish scriptures. And that brings up a good point. Why would a Gentile go to a Jew for help when the Jews despise the Gentiles? Well, certainly she was, she was desperate, and that pushed her to do desperate things. But also, she must have heard the reports. Mark tells us in chapter 3, verse 8 of this gospel, that the news of Jesus had reached Tyre and Sidon, two of the major cities of Phoenicia just north of Galilee. It's unlikely this woman knew who Jesus was, but she must have heard the reports of a fantastically powerful healer And when Jesus came to her town, she wasted no time in hunting him down. Jesus was hiding out in a private house, trying to get some rest from the crowds, but he was no match for a desperate mother. She found him and begged for help. Now, Jesus' reply here is shocking. In every other case, Jesus had compassion on the sick and possessed and gladly healed them. But now he bluntly denies her request calls her a dog, says it would not be right to help her. Now, if that doesn't alarm you at first, you're not paying attention. No no one should talk that way to anyone. Least of all should Jesus talk to a poor mother. But what's even more shocking than what Jesus says is what she says. Her reply, she apparently accepts the position of a dog. She asks for a dog's scraps. Is this her desperation giving way to insanity? Well, both Jesus and the woman seem to agree that Jesus' priority should be the children rather than the dogs. And on an everyday basis, you agree, don't you? I mean, you children in in the congregation here, don't you hope that your parents feed you better than they feed the dogs? Uh, And you parents, I I hope that that's the the way you do things in your house. I hope that you feed the children better than you feed the dogs. Um, Well, but looking at the whole of Scripture, it's not difficult to see that Jesus was telling this as a parable, and he meant the children to represent the Jews, the God's special people, the, the people God had called into a special relationship with him, and the dogs to represent the Gentiles. So, yeah, sure, children should get priority over dogs. But is Jesus engaging here in the worst sort of prejudice, uh, ethnic prejudice against these people? Is Jesus really saying that he came for the Jews and it would be wrong to care for the Gentiles? Well, now here, it, it, it must be careful to notice one little word which shapes the whole conversation. And that word is first. This conversation is not about who Jesus came for, but the order of his ministry. Jesus is not saying he doesn't care about the Gentiles. He's simply saying that the first step in saving the world is to minister to the Jews. Now, the Jews of Jesus' day hated the Gentiles. They considered them unclean, depraved, beyond saving But that was not God's view of the Gentiles. God knew better than anyone else 
the sinfulness of the Gentiles. But God had made it abundantly clear that he intended to save the whole world, Gentiles included. When God called Abraham the founder of the Jewish race, God promised Abraham to bless the whole world through him. And God never forgot the Gentiles. God called the nation of Israel to be his own special people, but God never forgot the Gentiles. In fact, Israel was supposed to be a blessing to the Gentiles, not a curse. And all the other nations from before a great worldwide famine, God sent Joseph to Egypt to save Egypt and all the other nations from starvation. Rahab and Ruth are but two of many Gentiles who sought salvation with Israel's God and were welcomed into a covenant with him. God sent Jonah to save Nineveh, and Esther became queen of Persia. Israel was always God's special people, but God always had his eye on the other nations as well. And when Israel worshipped God, they sang to the nations to join her. We, we recited Psalm 96. <clears throat> oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all peoples. Pious Israelites often would have meditated on the Psalms, and Levites sang these psalms every day in the temple. Every day in the temple, the Levites were calling to the nations, sing to the Lord, bless his name. When Isaiah proclaimed a, a Messiah to come and redeem Israel, the nations were included. At Christmas time, we read Isaiah chapter 9, which opens that God will chase away the darkness of the nations. Isaiah chapter 9 starts off, But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time he brought contempt to, into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And later then, in Isaiah, when Isaiah sings of the servant of the Lord, his term for the Messiah, the ends of the earth are his mission. So um, we read again, or we heard read, uh, from Isaiah chapter 49. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples, from afar. <laughs> the Lord called me from the womb. From the bo body of my mother he named me. He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob, to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. When God comes to redeem Israel, that, that, that's not a task that's too small. They can't make me better. It's, if, if I'm going to get better, it's got to be God doing it. And it's true in every part of life. We, we often don't think so. We often think, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm a mason, so I'm going to build this building because I know how to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, if you know how to do it, it's because God gave you that ability and God sustains you with that. Do we, see, the key question is, are we trusting God with the, the matters of our lives or are we trusting ourselves, our government, um, the health insurance policy or whatnot? Or... Maybe we got to the point where we don't trust anybody, cynical and jaded. 
if Jesus doesn't grant you relief on your terms, on your timetable, do you turn to some other source of deliverance? Can you understand how your crisis fits into God's eternal universal plan? Your husband came down with cancer. Do you understand how that's going to, uh, how that's going to contribute to the growth of the church in China? Well, no, of course not. We, we don't have that kind of respect, just like this woman didn't either. We don't, ha- we don't understand how the, the, the things that happen to us fit into God's eternal universal plan. But can you trust Jesus anyway? This woman was a couple decades early. It will be a while before Paul began preaching to Gentiles all over the empire. Are you willing to accept your place in God's plan, even if it's hard for you personally? So why is God allowing Russia to destroy so much of Ukraine and kill several hundred thousands of people? Why has God allowed other religions all over the world to deceive people and prevent them from worshiping Jesus? Why, after 2,000 years, have many Gentiles still never heard the gospel? We don't know. No one can fathom these things. God has his eternal plan for saving his people. We have no access to that plan, nor do we have access to God's plan for our own lives. What we have is Jesus. And we've come here this morning for the specific purpose of meeting Jesus in his word and in sacrament. We have Jesus who demonstrated over and over his compassion on the poor and suffering. Jesus who healed the sick, delivered the demon-possessed, fed the hungry, raised the dead. Finally, we have Jesus who took upon himself our sins suffered the agony on the cross, suffered the much worse wrath of the Father as he paid for our sins, Jesus, who at the right time entered history (coughs) to save the world, and at the right time will return to settle all injustice. Well, this morning we rejoice that Jesus always intended to come for the Gentiles, especially because most of us here today are Gentiles. Jesus is the light who entered a dark world, and ever since he's been shining across the globe. Jesus is the bread of life, who gives life to the dead in all cultures and nations. And in this life, you may never achieve success by the world's standards, and you may suffer much, but the crumbs of the bread of life are more potent than the feasts of this world. We never know all that Jesus is doing, but we know that he is preparing for us a new body, a new world, a new eternal life. Is that enough for you? Can you be satisfied with the crumbs of Jesus? Jesus said he will never leave us. Jesus is present now in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is present in these words that I'm speaking to you. Jesus is present as we receive the bread and the wine. Jesus said he would never leave us, and he hasn't. He's here now. These are the crumbs of Jesus. Are the crumbs of Jesus better for you than all that the world has to offer? Let's pray. Our Father, surely the crumbs of Jesus are infinitely better than the feasts of the world. But we want the morsels of this world. How foolish and shameful of us. 
But, Lord, we come to you because you know our foolishness and you welcome us anyway. We come to you confessing that often we are not satisfied with Jesus. Forgive us, we pray. Soften our hard, selfish hearts. Replace our worldly knowledge with divine wisdom. Submit our wills to yours and send us to friends, neighbors, and people everywhere with the good news that the crumbs of Jesus are worth more than the feasts of this world. We ask in the name of Jesus, your Son, who came to save us. Amen.